we'll turn to Mark 11. We'll talk about uh, um, the fact that you can say it and have it. Amen. So you need to say it because you can have it. In Mark 11, 22, it starts out by saying, have faith in God. Okay, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have what he saith. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray or say, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anybody, even even people we think are not significant to forgive, those are the main ones we need to forgive. That you, if you have anything against any, that your Father which is in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. So here, uh, Jesus is teaching. A very important lesson, and you all know that Brother Hagen built his ministry on this one scripture. It has to do with the connection between your heart, your mouth, and what you receive. And so um, if we can understand this, I think we can discipline ourselves to be more productive in the kingdom and also more satisfied in the way we live uh, understand how to get change to come about in our lives it's been pointed out by some teachers that the word say is mentioned or a version of the word say is mentioned in this passage at least seven times if you include the word pray with with say uh, you'll come up with probably eight times but it is, it is said that the saying is very, very important here. And I think this is something that we can take note of because it is, is mentioned so often. It probably is something that God wants to point out to us. It's very, very important in our lives. What we say is very important because there is a pattern for uh, faith and for the uh, release of faith into the earth to, for change to come about through the words of our mouth. Uh, in the beginning, the Bible says uh, God created the heaven and the earth and then all of a sudden the earth was in a chaotic situation. It was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the earth. Uh, they believed there was an incident that happened between those two passages of scripture that uh, Satan fell to earth and caused the chaos. And then iniquity caused the chaos. And so God did not create it that way. In fact, there is a saying in science that nature abhors a vacuum, which means that when there's nothingness and form and void, nature itself tends to want to fill that with something. Mm -hmm. And so that what they call nature is definitely God. God wants to make sure that there is fruitfulness, productivity, that there's life, that there is the essence of life, and that life continues down here on the earth. And so knowing that, we see a pattern there where God looked at something that was not right to him. 
Just like we can look at what we call needs or problems in our lives. We look at things that are not right to us and we begin to get an understanding of what God considers to be right as well. And this is the most important part of this. None of this works if you don't know the will of God. That's right. If you don't know the word of God, you don't have the plan of God and the vision of God, none of this is going to make sense to you in any way. And you'll be like the New Age people who uh, think they're going around speaking things into existence. And uh, you have some kind of God person inside of you automatically that can do all of these things. And nothing could be further than the truth. And and Jesus qualifies it in verse 22 saying, have faith in God. Not in yourself. Not in some kind of little God essence that's inside of you. And in some little Godness about you or the spirit world or the spirit realm. You must have faith in God. If you have faith in God, you must have faith in his word. That's the only way we really know God, you know, the main way. And of course, the spirit and the word agree. So the spirit will definitely confirm what the word of God is speaking and saying. And so you must connect with God in some way by knowing his will, knowing what he says, knowing what his desire is in your situation and then you must line up with that in a certain way to bring about the change that you see in God's word. God will not bring about change of your creation. He will bring about change of his will and his creation into your life. So when the when he says here have faith in God, that means you must trust God. You gotta trust him. Trust that his word is is uh, holy and it's pure and it's right and it's accurate that his grace that comes through faith in his word is sufficient for you believing brings about sufficiency amen your believing is never short your believing is never uh, inadequate is always adequate you just have to turn it toward God and, and that's where the adequacy comes in so when we think about making changes changing from poverty to wealth from sickness to health from lack to abundance from confusion to peace from doubt to faith all of these changes there is a connection between what we say and what we see amen there is a definite connection and so Jesus is trying to get the disciples to understand how that faith operates and this is so essential because the day before they had seen a healthy tree standing there and with one sentence from Jesus mouth and now the tree's dead and it's withered up and they're marveling that it happened not that it happened so at all but that it happened so quickly uh-huh. because a tree can die on its own accord that's not a miracle that's not anything but for it to die on its own accord they their observation is it usually takes more time than this but at his word that time was cut short and that thing was expedited 
because of the intent that was on his word Amen. and we can do the same thing there's an intent that's on our words you ever you ever uh, talk to somebody and they'll they'll tell you a complaint that they have and you know very often it's something to do with their health or something and you'll say oh I'll pray for you and they'll say okay and walk away from you and and because in everybody's mind we already have it programmed how it's going to go that's part of the vision that we carry within us when we have a problem and we want to see it corrected part of what we carry in us is a vision for how long it's going to take for that to come to pass or when it's going to come to pass and so many times you'll see people will just walk away and and don't understand you want to pray for them right then and there and they can probably be instantly healed if their faith would come up to that level and so many times we'll have to encourage their faith and say God wants you well now and I'm going to lay hands on you and I'm believing that pain's going to leave you as soon as I touch you because that's God's touch you got me and so what we do when we minister is we fill in the blanks we stand in the gap we make up the hedge when we speak our words we fill in the blank of the time of the when it's going to come of the how it's going to come and the all of that kind of stuff is filled in by the word of God. Got me? And it's filled in by our faith. There are some things we want to happen immediately. Amen? And sometimes they do happen immediately or we might get uh, um, uh, a portion of it right away. You know, you might get a piece about certain things uh, in the immediate. And so you, and that piece will give you a certain level of confidence and patience to endure until the, the full manifestation of it. You know, we've all been through that. And so what what God wants us to do, though, is to learn to trust that if it does take time for something, God sustains us in the time and put him in charge of time so that we'll understand that there are things that are important to God uh, as well as us receiving what we're supposed to have. See, there's lessons to be learned. There's a relationship to be had in God. There are certain ways that he will do things based on our ability to maintain certain things in our lives. And so when we, he says have faith in God, that speaks volumes. Because we have to have faith in God's timing. We have to have faith indefinitely to believe that God will do it. Yeah. Because this is where people will lose it sometimes with their faith they'll if it doesn't come in a certain amount of time they give up because they they don't think God really wants them to have certain things or maybe they're not sure they want it which is another reason to start uh, meditating on the word and get in the word more where that thing is concerned that increases your faith faith always has desire attached to it if there's something you want uh, it's good to want things it's good to expect things from God uh, because he promises us a good life whatever it is that pertains to life and to godliness he will supply to us and so oftentimes there are issues of godliness that God wants to develop in us too and that that takes time 
that takes relationship with him. Uh, that takes um, uh, our ability to again trust God. If it doesn't come today, can we trust him for it for the next day? If it doesn't come the next day, can we trust him that it's coming the, the day after and so forth? And so God is doing many, many things here uh, with this um, this law of faith or this law that has to do with how we see things come into our lives and how we see changes. He's talking specifically about removing certain things and casting them out of one's life. And this is sometimes where people get uh, impatient. If you want something removed, you don't want it tomorrow. Usually you want it removed today. If it's something that's uh, irritating you or something that's a trouble to you or something that uh, is causing lack in your life, generally we want them moved immediately. And Jesus says that, that you have to believe that it will happen when you say it. Amen. When you pray it. When you first come into the presence of God, you have to believe that this thing is going to come to pass. And check yourself. Do you really believe it's going to happen? You know, uh, there are times when we're involved in situations, they've gone bad for so long, we've lost our confidence that it will change. We want it to change. And so oftentimes our faith is hanging on by a real slender thread. And then the devil wants to come with his scissors and snip that. You got me? And so it's it's good to understand that God wants us uh, to believe when we pray that it will happen. And in the interim, we're holding on to that faith. You're holding on to that little thread. Uh, and you can't let go of it. If you let go, you got to go run and pick it up again. Because it's holding on to that little slender thread that's going to make all the difference in whether or not we have what we say. And so in this passage, though, he's talking about saying in a very uh, um, uh, frequent, uh, we're saying with frequency, these things. Uh, if you notice, sometimes with, with small children, they tend to what we call do what we call beg, you know, and everybody hates begging uh, because it's it's embarrassing. You know, the kids are not embarrassed. Wonder why? Because their faith will allow them to do whatever it takes to get what they want. <laughs> and so, and then the Jesus tells us, you should have faith like a little child. And if you can't come to me like a little child, uh, you're not going to be able to get very much from me. And so, this begging, though, it, it's it's more a frequent saying is is what I think that that term really relates to. Uh, children will remind their parents, when are you going to? do so and so well daddy you said you were going to do this and and we can learn a lot from that because if this passage is saying the word say seven times at least that means we must frequently say what we're expecting from God if you don't say it there's there's something there's a reason why we don't say there's a reason why we don't say certain things and I think a lot of it has to do with the atmosphere that we're speaking into okay follow me on this many times when people ask us how are you doing we hesitate because 
we're speaking into an atmosphere of confusion, of doubt, and, and intimidation. We're speaking into uh, a more or less hostile atmosphere so that you're not sure how the atmosphere is going to treat your response so you hesitate and you try to figure out what kind of atmosphere am I speaking into mm-hmm. or we'll blame it on the person see it's an atmosphere thing it's not coming from them they're in the same atmosphere you're in mm-hmm. and so we'll get defensive or angry with that person for asking thinking that they're setting us up for some kind of trap of correction that's the way Christians treat each other. You know, this is just the way it is. Why are they asking me how long? What should I say? If I say I'm healed, they're going to ask me, well, why are you still limping? You know, why are you still this? If you're healed, why this? And so there's an atmosphere. There's something in the atmosphere that we sense will betray our words or fight our words. It's not coming from the person that asked you. That atmosphere created that realm of confusion, doubt, intimidation, mistrust. All of that's already in the atmosphere. They just spoke into that atmosphere. You got me? People can be asking you things just out of friendliness. You just to have chat, to have something to say. They have no agenda whatsoever in their asking. But many times we'll have that feeling that somehow my words are, are going to betray me and I'll have to explain my words or they won't be right or something and so what has happened is that your mind has kind of come into agreement with that atmosphere and you feel like you're in a hostile environment totally and that your faith is not going to be accepted out there. So then you come in with something very forceful and very arrogant and very intimidating back. Now is this right or am I am I right or am I right? Because I want to make sure I'm talking to the right people and you're understanding what's going on here. Because if we don't understand what's happening with our words when they're spoken out then we won't be aggressive in doing this we won't be faithful in doing it and we won't have the faith invested in our confession and we just make it well you know we'll do it sometimes we'll do it haphazard slip shot here and there or every now and then when and then sometimes when you go to pray in agreement with somebody you don't want to even want to pray you, you, you shut that down and they can't ask you about certain things even though they're your so-called prayer partner you know what I'm talking about and it's not because it's something personal between you and God because if that's what you think is you know gives you a successful prayer life you're very mistaken agreement has such power it's worth humbling yourself and being honest with a prayer partner and telling them what you want out of life so you can get those things what do you care what they think about your prayer request just saying sometimes this is very powerful in, in determining 
the fruitfulness of, of our prayer life. It's very powerful. What we share, how we share it. When we come into agreement, who's out there fighting for us and with us for the things we desire. All that kind of stuff. That's, that's very, very important to the process. And so if you don't take advantage of every opportunity you have to get your prayer answered and it's just always going to be this little personal thing between you and God you know it's you're not taking advantage of much of what and you're really not being honest with yourself you know it's not so personal it's that you've let the atmosphere intimidate you and now you're ashamed of your request because the devil's got you so beaten up you don't think it's ever going to happen for you so you're ashamed to admit that you want certain things out of life because you know you just feel like it's never going to happen and so you need help in the worst way if you're like that you need help you need to, to be get blasted out of that and that's why this passage of scripture I think tells us to say it as often as it does because the one thing that will bring you out of this realm of, of atmosphere intimidation and pointing the finger and accusing the brethren of having some Something against you or not wanting you to prosper or making fun of your prayer because they don't think you're ever going to get that or you're never going to get this or whatever the, the answer for that is to continually say just to keep the atmosphere around you full of faith so you want a faith filled atmosphere around you and the only way you can fight that is with your own words the force of your own voice is what fights that more than anything so you must understand that there is a war to get you not to say the things that, that you are believing God for to stifle your voice to take away your voice so that you can't uh, you can't say certain things um, if you've ever dealt with people who have speech difficulties a lot of their frustration has to do with the fact that the voice is so uh, necessary in expressing their faith many times if you see people who are are deaf and dumb and they, they work with signing you see a, a very high emotional level in those people to get their point across why the force of faith that's on the voice is lost to them so they live in a world where they have a lot of desires, wants, thoughts and ideas and they can never be expressed because of the voice thing See, that's, that's why Jesus would come and, and cast deaf and dumb spirits out those were spirits that kept that person's voice away from them so they couldn't express their desires and those desires could never be met so you just live in this world of lack and frustration because you, you can't say what you want and so the saying of this is very important and it, it's very important for us to understand that when we have these issues with whether or not we confess the word whether we want to confess the word today whether we want to say what we're believing God for these are issues that have to do with the it has very little to do with whether or not you believe do you know what I'm saying your faith 
is in God. If your faith is in God, you keep it invested in God. And your faith is always available to connect to God so that you can begin to pray and confess and say in faith. So there's nothing wrong there. The problem is in the execution of it, how we execute it, whether we release it or not. What are we thinking when we, when we think about the things we desire? Because that creates an atmosphere all of its own. When that thought comes to you about what you want from God or what are you believing God, what's going on in your mind when that thought pops up? Is there that little voice in there that tells you you can't have it, it's not necessary, and it's never going to come to pass? Or do you have an atmosphere on the inside of you that supports God's word? And and it changes from time. Your mind can wander. You can have one of them days where you don't like nothing and nobody. That's right. And nobody better talk to you about God. And I've been serving God all this time. And I ain't got this, this, this. You know what I'm saying. Your laundry, your dirty laundry this day. Right. And so, and your day can go on to a, a week. And a week a month. And a month a year. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where people lose it and just leave serving God. Because they live, they have created an atmosphere atmosphere in their souls of condemnation, doubt, anger, resentment, all of the negative forces that will come counter to your faith. And so we have to be concerned about the inner atmosphere and the outer atmosphere when it comes to saying what we believe. The reason I believe God says say it so many times is that sometimes you must force yourself to say it. You've got to squeeze that faith out no matter what because he knows it's going to be hard for us. He says not doubt in your heart. Your head will doubt all the time. And you can't let your head have the final word. You have to let your heart speak. So, So we have to understand that this is very, very important for us that we say what we desire. The other aspect of it is don't say what you don't want. There must come a discipline to us to not speak about things in an emotional, in a situational manner, but always speak the way Jesus would speak. And he didn't get upset with with things in an emotional manner. He would, when he would uh, rebuke the disciples, he would he would say it. You know, how long am I gonna put up with you guys? You know, I taught you this, and it's a correction that comes to help them. You know, it's not. You know, I'm sick of y'all and going to heaven and I'm not doing this no more kind of thing. It was always uh, a help to them to know when they have veered off the realm of faith. So you need to know those things. So anyway, I'll just uh, talk to you from my notes. So saying is key to possession of what we desire. Saying is key. I think when this, these things thought comes to your mind about the thing that you desire, you need to thank God for it and say it and keep expressing your faith. We struggle to understand faith, but within us, faith is well understood. Your inner man understands faith very well. It's the outer man that's, that dominates sometimes and, and causes things to be screwed up. 
So faith is well understood by our inner man. The outer is in darkness about spiritual things. So your outer man, your carnal mind, the part that has not yet been renewed in the word of God, the part that gets defensive when somebody asks you. You know, when people ask how you're doing, they're asking your spirit man how he is. But your flesh man speaks up all the time. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Your spirit gets addressed, but your flesh answers the question. And so we really have to watch that. that Because he's trying to get involved all the time. You know, he's not going to just sit idly by and let your spirit man grow and, and control things. He still wants to live. So this is why Jesus stipulates we cannot doubt in our hearts. It's in verse 23. Your heart is where, is the same thing as your spirit. Your heart is where your faith originates and where it operates. Your heart also can receive the word of God very, very easily and very, very quickly if it's not hindered by your soul. So your if your soul is very engaged in if you you're you know if you're a suspicious kind of a person you have to figure out what people mean when they say everything. I learned to let the Holy Ghost do my figuring for me. See, it takes a lot less mental energy to try and understand if somebody why are they asking me that. Uh, are they my friend or not my friend? You know, and that, that's that's really a, a sign that you're you're immature, walking in love because perfect love casts all that out. See, love thinks the best about everybody, and it's not suspicious, it's not touchy, it's not any of that nonsense. And so sometimes we will get entangled in that little web in our thought life about preserving our pride that's really what it's about you have something your flesh man has a persona that he wants to preserve at all times he wants to look good he wants to look intelligent whatever the situation calls for he wants to be that when actually he doesn't feel that he's any of that so he has to put on some kind of pretense or some kind of act to get his self out there and so he feels good about himself well that man is supposed to be nailed to the cross you know what I mean? and so he'll come down and wiggle his way off the cross and get involved in your business as much as possible and all you have to do is start feeding into one negative thought and oh boy it's downhill from there all you have to do is is entertain the thought that okay it's been too long I've been praying about this for too long it's been too long unless God tells you it's too long he'll cause an end to it and straighten things out but mostly it's your flesh that is tired all the time frustrated bored angry upset not satisfied your spirit man is very satisfied he's so content because he's born again he's finally reached a place where he can live now so he's content all the time it's our flesh that gets involved in the business of the kingdom of God and will keep us wound up and bound up in nonsense you know if we'll listen to it and so the outer man is in darkness about spiritual things he doesn't understand anything the Bible says it's um, uh, uh, the um, 
the things of the spirit are foreign to him you know they're not understood by him and so he can't appreciate spiritual things only your spirit man can appreciate spiritual things and it takes you have to pay a price to keep him strong keep feeding him you know what I'm saying keep feeding him the word meditate on the word don't step out and start entertaining thoughts contrary to God's word so again it takes discipline so this is why Jesus stipulates we cannot doubt in our hearts amen you cannot let your heart go the way of your flesh you understand what I'm saying because then you can't have what you say from God from his kingdom your heart is where faith originates and where it operates your heart understands God then your heart understands faith you just have to feed him more so he's more prominent if you feed him more he'll feed you more you got me he'll he'll reciprocate and he will begin to step forward more consistently so that he can bless your life your heart has vision and a sense about what is possible in God see the imagination or vision of your heart is where within you you know all things are possible you know everything's possible there's always you ever you ever think you're going to give up on something and then there's a little something there that nags you and keeps pulling you back to give it one more try that's your spirit name you you have so let him be dominated by your disappointment and discouragement in the man of the flesh because you know we all want to feel important yeah everybody wants to feel important everybody wants to feel significant everybody wants to feel that that they matter and so when you when you you know tune in to your your heart your spirit man he's content in that he matters in fact he understands that God matters more and there will be times when others matter more than him what things soever you desire that others would do to you you do to them first you sow the first seed so that you can get good things coming into your life so your spirit man understands that he's very satisfied and content that he matters to God but he understands that God matters more and that others matter more and he must trust God to take care of him and he will demonstrate to God that others matter more everybody's now trying to get a group together to show that they matter Honey. Black lives matter, white lives matter, kitty cat lives matter, dog lives matter. Everybody wants to know they matter. Why do you think that is? Because the devil constantly hammers at them that they don't matter. So people who are sinners or just carnal people don't know any better. They think the world's against them and they've got to go out here on a on a, a campaign to make sure that they get what they need and deserve out of life because somebody's got to know I matter. That's true, yeah. And that's what your flesh man wants all the time. He wants to know that he matters. Whenever we get concerned about how long it's taking for God to answer a prayer it's because we have lost calm. We have disconnected from the spirit and now the flesh man wants to know he matters God do you care huh as the disciples when Jesus was sleeping they couldn't get over it how could he sleep and we're wound up huh 
Master, don't you care? We're going to drown. Well, they want to know that they matter. So, and, and God wants us to stay connected to Him by our spirit in His Word, because your your spirit man gets fed all the time from the Word, and he knows he matters because he's being fed by the Word. So he's content. He's not in there raising a fuss and wanting to go on a protest and join a group to make sure somebody knows he's important and significant and that he knows that. The blood of Jesus settled that for your spirit man. Amen. It says an oath of confirmation is an end of all strife. So your spirit man is not striving about his self-importance. He never has and he never will. And so it's your flesh man that wants to be noticed, wants to be known, wants to be acknowledged, all that kind of stuff. Wants all those things. So, this is why Jesus stipulates we cannot doubt in our hearts. Man, we've got to come up to where we have faith and confidence in our heart and let that speak for us. So, your heart understands God and your heart understands faith. The Bible says in all you're getting, get understanding. And so your spirit man understands God and faith, but he has to be fed continually to stay strong and help you to confront all the situations of life. So he has the capability and he understands God. But the benefit that you get from your spirit man's understanding has to do with how much input of the words you have. How much you challenge your your carnal man to go take a chill pill while your spirit man gets fed. Your spirit man must be fed in order for him to meet every single challenge that will come to him from the life that, that, that God has, has ordained for us. Your heart has vision and a sense about what's possible in God. Your heart is connected to God. It's the candle. The spirit of man is the candle of God and he lights it. The heart is the real you. You need to accept that you are trustworthy. And this is the other thing your your carnal man will keep challenging to get you to doubt your your faith, doubt if it's effective, doubt if God really is going to do anything, doubt if he told you he's going to do anything, all of that. So your spirit man, stay, making sure your spirit man is strong in the word, helps you to understand that you are trustworthy. You can trust yourself. You can trust what you say. You can trust your words. Your outer man is perishing and getting weaker the more you say what's in your heart. I'm going to say it again. Your outer man is perishing and getting weaker. And the more you say what's in your heart, the weaker he gets. So when you begin to say what you believe and not doubt it, don't let yourself second guess what you say from your heart. Can't do it. You've got to say it and let the chips fall where they may. You've got to say it and let the atmosphere adjust or not adjust. But you've got to say it. You've got to say it in spite of what uh, the atmosphere feels he wants to tolerate, who says negative things to you about it, uh, who wants to challenge your faith. You know, 
if somebody challenges that you're healed or, or they want to make fun of you because you're believing God just let them talk and God behold their threatenings <laughs> stretch forth your hand I'm, do, I'm saying your word down here you got me you have a defense you know you don't have to defend yourself but if you say what's in your heart or you say God's word you say what you want to see happen your chances of changing that atmosphere is much greater than if you swallow your words back and never said it and let the atmosphere intimidate you or what you think other people are about let that intimidate you sometimes we just have crappy thinking about people we think too little about people we don't give them enough credit for being you know having goodness in mind we think they, they're always up to something where we're concerned we can't trust them they're never going to give us a straight answer so we're never going to get this straight sometimes your, your flesh man and I'll tell you another thing that will hinder you your flesh man uh, gets correction fatigue mm-hmm. you got me? Yeah. he fatigues very easily under the pressure of correction and that's to your benefit because he'll start leaving you alone and, and go away if he knows he's going to be corrected by your confession so he shrinks back at the power of God's word and he's not as challenging once you say it but if you refuse to say it because you feel intimidated he'll just keep pressing you you got me Uh, you know these these things like the move in for the kill you know these spiritual forces that want to hinder uh, us your spirit man is not trying to fight you having anything in God because trust me if God gave you a better job your spirit man got plans for that money I mean your, your flesh man has plans for that money already so he's not against you getting possessing things but he he is against himself having to continue to shrink and diminish in your life he is against not being able to live and control your life that's why you can't turn your back on your flesh that's why you'll see people who will go out and have a ministry performing miracles and then all of a sudden you read about them getting stopped for DUIs all the time or, or uh, you know in some kind of sexual sin they shouldn't be in is because they're, 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 uh, the flesh man refuses to die and still wants to live I mean and, and they've been serving God some of them 20, 30, 40 years and that thing will creep up you'll see some people will go into doctrinal deception after they've been preaching for years and years and years how does that happen? because that carnal man even though he's perishing every day somehow they have not been vigilant over his burial (laughs) put dirt on him and keep him buried and stay vigilant over the desires sometimes it's just something something as simple as a, a frustration a fatigue sometimes it's boredom uh, you shouldn't be bored if you're living in God's kingdom there's something to do in his kingdom all the time you know if nothing else you can worship God in your spare time in your downtime put on some worship music and worship God in your downtime read some of the, the accounts of some of the older generals who have, have written things for our edification there's no such thing as boredom but see there is a place where like David when he uh 
invited Bathsheba over. There was something else you should have been doing with his time. See, there's something God wants you to do with your time all the time. Because he does not make provision for the flesh at all. He makes provision for your spirit. And so if you're not vigilant over these things, sometimes we think they're minor things. Sometimes they've been with us so so long we think they're cute. We've made pets out of them. You know, oh, I know I should do better with that. Don't let the devil hear you say that. Don't let him hear you say that. If there's something you need to do better, make that be a request between you and God. But God, I need to do better. And I'm going to work with you and you work with me and we're going to get this out of my life. It's not a joke. It's not, you know, it's not cute. And so we, we have to do these things, folks, and, and be sober. That's what it means to be sober. Don't be drunk in your own nonsense. You know, be sober and be vigilant because the enemy is looking around to see who he can develop. The Bible says we're supposed to resist him with what? Our faith. Push that word out of your mouth. Make it. Don't meditate on things that are dark. You know, dark things. Don't conjure up things that, that are, are uh, from darkness. You know, how to get this, how to get that, how to get over here, how to get by here, how to, you know, that kind of thing. Don't let your mind entertain that kind of nonsense because you'll wind up walking it out. And where your spirit man wants to dominate and draw from God the things that you need and desire. So there's, and don't ever think. That that if if you think about God doing something for you, your flesh always thinks it's going to take too long. It's not going to be right. I don't have that kind of time. You know all that stuff. You don't get pressed in those areas. Don't entertain. Don't let your mind entertain those things. Be like Abraham. Consider not. There's certain things you don't consider. You just don't consider them. So consider not things that have to do with your flesh coming in to, to dominate your, your walk and your life. So the, the process of having what we say is a type of spiritual possession. What you desire exists already. You're not trying to manufacture anything. You're not trying to create anything. But it exists already in your heart by faith. Faith is a spiritual substance and it is just as real as when it sits there in your garage or it's in your closet or wherever it's going to manifest. It's When it's in your heart by faith, it's just as real as if it's there in possession. When we say that we uh, uh, perceive or desire when we say what we perceive or desire in our hearts, it is fought by the outer man. Mm-hmm. Is our faith perfect? Yes. You're, there's nothing wrong with your faith. Don't get that confused when Jesus would say, O ye of little faith. Or talk about the size of their faith or the, the power of their faith. If you look at what people did, they refused to quit. And that's what he was talking about. Great faith, and, you know, when, when the different qualities of faith, it was they used that same faith and refused to quit. Because he said, if you have faith the size of a what? Mustard seed. So your faith is perfect all the time because faith is a spirit from the spirit of God. I don't care if you just heard the scripture and you stepped out on it. 
I can't tell you the number of times that I prayed the sinner's prayer with people and they just heard that the first time. Well, they have faith. They believed it. They, they, they extended to God what they had. And that's that measure of faith. They believe. What, your faith has, has more power if you keep it going than if you're waiting on some great big pound of faith to come and then you whack the devil with that. That's not how that works. You use what believability you have. You you use what believing you have. And everybody has the ability to believe. And so faith is perfect all the time. It just needs to be fed so that it can bring substance to what you desire. So if there's nothing, if there's no hope attached to your faith, you're not going to use it very much. So you need to want something. You know what I'm saying? And you need to want it from God. And so faith is the substance of something that's hoped for. Hope gives shape to your faith. It gives definition to your faith. It gives uh, an assignment to your faith. It gives a, a vision to your faith. We are afraid to hope sometimes. You ever notice that about yourself? Well, no, I, I can't ask God for that. We do it all the time. We walk away from things that that are, are evident in the Bible. You know, you see them written down. You are healed. By my stripes, you are healed. And yet we give in to sickness, we give in to weakness, we, we talk about that, we, we use our energy to, to reinforce it. You know, we, we have to consider not, and I, I mean that seriously. You can't consider certain things if you're going to get something from God. You can't. You can discipline yourself not to put your mind on things. You got me? You can discipline yourself to not put your mind on anything. I've had people, you know, when I worked in hospitals and worked in emergency rooms, and you know, people would come in and they would have some of them would have really bad wounds or something like that, and you'd hear people sometimes say, "Well, I just have to think past the pain." You hear that in the labor room all the time. You know, women will say, "I got to get something I can focus on and, and get my mind past this pain." Consider not, amen. Then you saw the ones that were up on the ceiling. You know, you come to check the monitor on the bed. Their bed's empty. She way up there. You know. It's the truth. <laughs> Why? One considers not. One considers. <laughs> Usually women got the hint. They say, you know, these people are expecting me to calm down and cooperate with them. I think I better get, I think I better get on the program. You know? So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, why? Because we have a hope for a live baby. If we don't get the mother to cooperate, we may not get that hope. You see? And so, so what you hope for, you attach your faith to it, and then your faith moves you to, to do something to support what you hope, what you're hoping for. So this is the whole whole thing. There's got to be hope attached to your faith. you got to want something from God. You just can't have faith and, and have it going nowhere. Uh, if you don't know what to want, uh, want people saved. <laughs> they want people healed. That's a good thing to want. Amen. You're one of those people, oh, I don't want anything for myself. <laughs> <laughs>
Praise God. Amen. So, so that, that's the way we do it. Amen. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with your faith, it just, but it does need to be attached to something. And that's where the Word of God comes in. You look at the promises of God, and you look at your life. And you say, you know what, God? I think you're speaking to me that I should desire these things in my life. I should, should desire a nice home. I should desire a husband or a wife. I should desire, you know, children, grandchildren. I should desire a good job. I should desire all of these things to make my life complete. You ever hear that word? God wants to complete your life. You are complete in Him. You have everything you need, but that completion that you have in Him needs to extend out into this environment that he's caused you to live in. You could be a blessing to somebody if you would extend your faith and, and hope for those things. Man. I, was, I was talking to the Lord when uh, God uh, got me about um, my Facebook buddies, you know, all the, all the proposals. <laughs> And the proposal lasts for about two weeks and then get dumped, you know. Dumped. I don't. But, yeah, and and uh, the Lord, I was telling the Lord, I said, well, I thought, you know, I thought we weren't going to want anybody. We weren't going to want to get married. We weren't going to want these things. God said, we never decided nothing. You decided that on your own. But he didn't press me about it, you know, and they didn't. You know, we get healed and we keep moving and we come along to God. It's not time to to even make a decision that way yet. But one thing he did tell me, he said, have you ever thought that you would be an answer to somebody's prayer? You got me? We've got to start thinking like that, folks. There's somebody out there that wants somebody that serves God and you might be it. You understand me? So we have such a way of limiting God in, in not letting our faith latch on to things because your your carnal man doesn't believe you're supposed to have it. He'll believe you're supposed to have anything. But he'll let you get it from God and then come and try to either enjoy it, tear it up, or mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> You're back in the flesh when you get it. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So we have to watch these things and stay with the Spirit of God. Amen? So, the outer man either permits or denies our inward man dominance in our lives. So he's trying to watch over your life to limit your inner man from being able to come through with what you need from God. The outward man observes what the inward man does and either allows what we say to remain or he tries to censor it with doubt and unbelief. So your outer man sizes up the world around you and decides if what you are confessing and what you're saying is going to work or not. He does that. When your your outer man has done that for you all your life. And in your past life it's been a help to you. You know, your outer man can can look at a chair and tell you that's not going to hold you up, don't sit on it. Your outer man can make you aware that your bank account is dwindling and don't write any more checks so they're going to bounce. You know, there are ways that we are protected in life by the workings of the natural man. You know, the natural, but he cannot give us the solutions that we need for life. 
So you need to be able to see things. You need to be able to hear things. You need to have all your your senses intact. But they don't run your life. They don't have the final say. They don't dominate. And so your inner man will cave. I mean, your outer man will cave if your inner man speaks up. So that's why it says to say it so many times. You're saying it because God knows you're going to be in a battle against your flesh and against doubt and unbelief. And the key is to keep saying it no matter what. You must keep saying what you desire. Unbelief expresses a confidence in the flesh and natural circumstances. Unbelief expresses confidence in the flesh and natural circumstances. The outer man actually fears what the words of the inner man can do to his world. And he will attempt to keep the boat steady. Huh? You know that saying, don't rock the boat? Don't come up here with any new ideas about us having a better job or changing companies or... Huh? Your, your outer man gets, he sets up housekeeper real quick and gets content with very little. Or he will start bugging you one day as uh, we don't have enough. He's a man of extremes. And so your spirit man is content and peaceful at all times. So you need to find where he is and go stay with him. But faith always rocks the boat. In Matthew chapter 14, Peter with Jesus on the water. Peter's in, in verse 28, Peter, they see Jesus walking and Peter said, Lord, did you uh, let me come out there on the water with you? And he said, come on. Peter came out of the, the ship and he walked on the water to, to go to Jesus. But when he stood up in that ship, everybody in that ship started to rock and move. You got me? If Peter had sat still, nobody would be experiencing any kind of disturbance. And that's what happens when you start your inner man starts to operate in faith. There's a disturbance with your flesh man and he seeks to steady the boat and rock and so it doesn't rock. You notice sometimes when, when uh, if you've ever been in a boat, a smaller boat, where people are getting in and coming out, everybody grabs onto the sides to steady themselves in the boat while somebody is moving and getting up. Well that happens every time you desire something from God, your flesh man feels your spiritual boat rocking or he feels his world being disturbed and so he seeks to steady the boat how does he steady the boat with doubt and unbelief he wants it to remain comfortable for him to exist even though you're trying to move into a better realm into a different life so you've got to divorce one and marry the other if your life is going to run right. And many times people wind up divorcing their spirit man and divorcing their faith until they wind up shipwreck and everything's messed up and then somebody's got to come and help them out and tell them how they got, how did I get on this rock? I was sailing along real good. You thought you were. 
there was turbulence coming and God was trying to prepare a, a greater boat for you and you wouldn't let him do it so Peter leaving that boat disturbed the balance that kept them afloat when we release our faith by saying we cause our boat of the outer man to react and he will try and steady his boat when you say you believe you will be the head of your department your outer man says well maybe not the head when God's word says you are the head and not the tail you're already the head of that thing they just haven't nobody's acknowledged you yet put you in there and gave you all the money and stuff but don't think that you don't have the potential to get there your spirit man has the potential to do anything you see in God's word you understand me because God's word can do that I don't care how how slow you were in in school or how swift you were in school small and swift have nothing to do with any of this what has it to do with is that the entrance of the word bringing light to you and bringing understanding into your life and God finding you faithful and positioning you there so the outer modifies and adjusts the vision in your heart to fit what he's comfortable with so you can get a word from God and it can be a, a marvelous word and then your outer man your carnal man your carnal mind will start to think about it and start to pick it apart and tear it apart how do you protect yourself how do you protect the things in your spirit from being torn up like that by immediately saying yes to them by telling God this is what you want by thanking God for it and then go build your faith by meditating on his word to solidify that idea within your spirit man so that your, your carnal mind quits fighting it can just lay down his gloves and quit punching you so hard with them you can't have that you, you, you don't know this and you don't know that and then in the next minute he's telling you how wonderful you are they shouldn't treat you like that look at who you are <laughs> when David confronted Goliath he spoke what was in his heart he didn't speak by what he saw and everybody in that whole battlefield had the, the, the idea opposite of what he was the only one speaking that so don't tell me your faith isn't strong enough to turn the tide of popular opinion in one sentence it is it's just we listen to the intimidating forces of the atmosphere and we listen to our carnal thinking of doubt that tells us we can't have it we're not ready we're not mature enough we don't have enough word in us we haven't done this enough every time you hear you haven't done something enough that's not God speaking to you your faith is perfect all you got to do is show him your faith Jesus would say things like that where is your faith in other words is your faith in God or is it in what you see in the natural where is it tell me where it is oh I'm sorry God it's in in this thing well put it over here in God that's all he wants people to do he doesn't want you to go and sit down somewhere and feel bad because your faith isn't what it should be he wants you to put your faith in God he says this in verse have faith in God just put it in him 
And then once your faith is in Him, everything's straight. It's perfect. And God's responsible from, from then on out. So David spoke what was in his heart. Everybody listening thought it couldn't happen. It doesn't matter what they think can't happen. David had disciplined his flesh to have faith in God. He had disciplined his arms, his legs, his feet to move with what was in his heart. That's all we have to do as believers. Your whole being must follow what's in your heart. You can't be split. You can't be indecisive. You've got to put your whole being into it. People can say something with their mouth and then their mind thinks something different and their feet and their hands do what their mind tells them instead of doing what your, what your heart tells you to do. Our outer man only has faith in himself. That's why his possibilities are limited. When, when you say something like God's going to give me uh, you, know, a, 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 you know, a great ministry or something like that, your outer man hears that and because he can't do anything all he can do is hope, wish, dream and think and he can never perform and do anything he censors that because he knows he's limited in his possibilities he knows that from experience he can tell you you know the last time we tried to dream big we ran up and wound up in bankruptcy court you understand? Because he knows his ability is limited. He knows his strength is limited. His resources are limited. So he will start to speak to you what you've heard from God. And tell you what he can't do, even though your spirit man already knows what God can do and will do. Your inner man has faith in God. So it's good to remind yourself that God will bring it to pass. God, it's not up to me to bring this to pass. You will bring it to pass. Why will he do it? Because he said so. He's holy and he keeps his word. Oh, I thought he had to love me. He does love me. But if you don't feel lovable right now, just rest in the fact that he'll do it because he said he'll do it. This doesn't depend on how you feel about yourself. It doesn't depend on what you did right or wrong the last time. It depends on only on the, his integrity and keeping his word if you'll continue to believe. you got to hold on to your end of the rope. So it's good to remind yourself that God will bring it to pass. He will do it. Find out what your part is. There's corresponding actions to your faith. There may be things that God will move you to do, but make sure you move to do it, that you don't get into trying to make it happen yourself again. People mistakenly refer to this process of speaking something into existence. That is not what you are doing. You don't speak anything into existence. It exists already. I'm going to say it again. Because see, people mistake. See, we, we pick up these phrases and accept them without understanding what we're saying. What we're saying is we have a creative ability to speak something into existence the way God creates with his words. We're not doing that. We're only putting our faith in him and affirming what he has already said is there for us 
in his glory it exists already or you couldn't have faith in it your, your, your new car exists already in glory or you couldn't have faith in it faith is, is substance of something that really exists somewhere it really exists somewhere you're not speaking it into existence as though today you speak the hood and today you speak the tire and tomorrow you speak you're not putting it together with your words God's already put it together in fact everything that exists already exists in God when he begins to speak and things shape up according to his words is because things already exist in him he created out of himself. You know, there, there's this, uh, this Latin phrase, ex nihilio, which means something out of nothing. That's not what God did. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The earth was without form and void. He spoke out of himself. That stuff was in him. He said, let us make man in our own image. And what's inside of me, I create and I bring it to the outside. That's what he does. So everything exists already in God. If it didn't, we couldn't have faith in it. You don't put your faith in something that's not there. That's called imagination. That called, that's called fantasy. We imagine all the time. You know, when, when you play uh, dolls or play house or play doctor, you imagine you're Ben Carson. But if you don't go to medical school and you don't do all that stuff, you won't be that. And so when, when we, there's, there's a difference between a carnal imagination and, and what's in your spirit, the faith that's in your spirit. Faith is substance of something that you hope for. But the substance means it exists already. If it weren't substance, you couldn't say that. That's why you don't, you don't drop faith too easily because it's too tangible. It's too real. You know, it's that little nagging thing in there that says, hey, I'm your baby. You've been praying all these years to come to pass. Why leave me abandoned? It, because it's real. It's there and it's real. So you don't speak anything into existence. You don't confess anything into existence. The fact that, that doubt and unbelief move means it must have substance to it and it must have life to it and it must have spiritual reality to it or these things wouldn't move you couldn't move doubt and unbelief with your faith if it weren't holding on to something that was already real so you're not speaking anything into existence I don't care who, which book you read and who the author was and what they told you you were doing that's not right it's not right what you, what you are asking for is already in glory. It exists in God, in God's realm. And your speaking and your talking will not get it into existence because it belongs to God. Before it comes to you, it belongs to God. Your faith belongs to God. You're affirming what you're doing when you, when you speak of these things by faith. You are describing something that's there in glory, but it's not here in the natural realm yet. It hasn't come into this realm yet. But you are describing it, you're seeing it. That's what a vision is. When you see something in your spirit imagination, you are seeing something that is real. It's not a picture of something, it's actually that. When God told Moses, he says, write 
the, the, uh, make the tabernacle according to the pattern that's in heaven. There's a pattern in heaven for everything we desire from God. That's how when you, when you find the person that you marry, you have a piece about it that comes from God. God says, this is the one I have for you. You couldn't put your hands on it because it was in my possession away from you. And so now that you your faith is complete, I can bring it into your life. Some people get things want things way too early for God to get involved. That's why you wait for it. Because it's not time for you to get involved in something perfect that God has for you. So you have to continue to say and express your faith in God. When you say things, all you're doing is expressing your faith in God. You're expressing what you know is there for you in the realm of glory. That's where he is. He says, I, I, you, I'll supply your needs, all of them, according to my riches that are in glory. Amen. So once that process is complete, then glory comes into your your natural life. It comes right down here and visits you in your place where you are. And then that's when you know that God's done something because you have that sense of satisfaction in your spirit. It matches what the vision that's inside of you, even though you've never seen that individual. You can, it'll just match what you know God has for you by faith. So it already exists, or it, it, it would be make-believe, you, and it would change all the time. You ever notice make-believe things change consist, constantly? I don't want that. I want this this time. Well, no, that's not. I don't want that anymore. You know, you have that all the time. Kids, when you first talk to them, the one adult that they really like, they want to be that profession when they grow up. Mom want to be, oh, I thought you wanted to be a teacher. No, I don't want to be that anymore. I want to be so-and-so. Well, it's never real. It's just coming from their carnal imagination. And that changes all the time. That's why many times people never pray about who they marry wind up marrying over and over and over again because they've never committed it to God and got in a vision for for what that person is going to be when they come upon them. It's like it's almost like a, a radar detector. You know, it's you know little little metal detectors they have when there's no metal it's silent. When you start getting close to it goes off. You understand what I'm saying? And that's the way your spirit speaks to you. It goes off when certain things, and it goes off in peace when certain things that are, are ordained of God for you come into your natural possession, your possession in the natural, or into your vision in the natural. And so you have to let God work with it until it comes into total agreement with the plan of God for you. You, know, you, you, can't, you can't want things out of season in God. It has to be complete in Him before He'll let you take possession of it. So, when we, uh, what we are doing is overcoming doubt by the faith of the Son of God. So when you say, God, I thank you for my husband, I thank you for my wife, I thank you for my car, my grandchildren, my children, I thank you for the education of my, my, my children, you are expressing a desire for a promise of God that is within you. And it's real. Because God will do it. Because it's real in Him. It's not 
some kind of make-believe something and then you go change it. If there's something that you keep changing, it's because it's not in your heart to obtain. You need to go back to the Word and get it in your heart to have that. If it leaves your life so quickly, you don't want to have it anymore. It's because it's in your carnal mind. And now you want something different because you're in a different mood today. You understand me? This is very different from the faith that's in God that have, where he has laid these things up for you. You have an inheritance in God. You're not making it, you're not manufacturing it with your words while you're down here. God forbid we do that. God forbid he give us permission to do that kind of thing. We're affirming what he already has laid up for us. So words are an expression of that faith. Our faith in God. And it's not in our words. And words are an expression of our faith in God. They're not faith in our words. Our words convince our outer man and our atmosphere that God's promises will come to pass for us. And we believe it. So this is what we do. We, we are, are moving toward greater strength in our resolve to obtain those things from God. And over a period of time, we must get stronger, not weaker, in our desire to have these things. When faith is from God, by exercising your faith, by saying God's word, it should get stronger and not weaker. Because your outer man is perishing. He's getting weaker every day, just naturally. But your inner man needs to be strengthened by what you say. Your saying makes your atmosphere conform to what you say. So now you become an atmosphere changer where when it's when the time is imminent for that thing to manifest in your life, everything around you seems to want to accept it now. If you'll pay attention. Uh, I've had times where I knew something was going to happen in this area soon because the atmosphere quit fighting me, my carnal mind quit fighting me, every kind of thing kind of just laid down its weapons. That doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes you could hit a blow and it just poof, changes, you know, the atmosphere. But the atmosphere must accept what God is doing. So when, when time passes, the outer man tries to dominate by saying, see, I I knew it wouldn't happen. Never accept that. Amen. If you've ever prayed for something, when that that thought comes to you, you cast that out because it will happen. It will come to pass. God stirs our inner man to fight by saying again and keep saying again and keep saying again. Even though your outer man is, is trying to put the final nail in the coffin of your dream, you keep saying it again because God still, his faith will still work. He has never given up. He never throws in the towel and he never quits on us. Once we start to say what we want, he backs that up and he doesn't quit. And he expects us to hold on and not quit as well. Amen? Alright, why don't we stop. Father, we thank you for giving us understanding of our sayings, our confession. And to make that saying pure, we have to forgive, Lord. We can't harbor any animosity, any, any ill will. We can't be touchy. We can't want to dominate. We can't want our flesh to rule. We have to want you to rule. And meekness and humility and quietness and confidence is where we are strong. So we thank you for that, Father. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody wants prayer, come on up.